Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by the Alliance Safety Council, delivering instructor-led on-site computer lab and online training through more than 100 authorized training providers in 31 states and two countries. Headquartered in Baton Rouge, Alliance is focused on the future of learning technology and training process innovation for business and industry, for safety, and other corporate training needs. More information is at AllianceSafetyCouncil.org and by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. As you're coming into Baton Rouge on I-10, you can't help but notice that a lot of the new construction these days consists of big, shiny new healthcare facilities. Indeed, the healthcare market is big business in Baton Rouge, and the race is on for market share. And yet, we hear all the time about how the cost pressures and challenges facing healthcare providers, both here and nationwide, are so challenging. What's the deal? There's obviously money to be made, or we wouldn't see all this new investment. But what model is working? Joining me today to discuss this and try to answer these questions is Dr. David Carmouche, president of the Oxner Health Network, which is the accountable care network of the massive Oxner Health System, the largest nonprofit academic health care system in the entire state. David, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks yeah, for thanks taking for time. Me. Yeah, appreciate it. And with me in David is Vishal Vasanji, CEO of Relief Telemed, a new telemedicine platform that enables live medical providers to diagnose and even prescribe medication for users of the startup company's mobile app. Through the app, patients can participate in a live video visit with a licensed healthcare provider 24 hours a day at a cost of just $39.95 per visit. Vishal, it's a pleasure to have you here today. Thanks for being with us on Out to Lunch. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Well, David, I'm going to start with you. Oxner's had a presence in Baton Rouge for a long time, but in the past couple of years, it, it really stepped up its game. Just a few weeks ago, it opened a new facility in Baton Rouge, the Oxner Medical Complex High Grove, 116 million-dollar facility, five stories, 255,000 square feet, a micro-hospital, and that's in addition to all of the other facilities you have in the capital region. Um, why, why now, why the need in Baton Rouge when we have other hospitals right nearby where the new Oxner High Grove facility is located? Sure, yeah. Well, so Oxner's been a part of Baton Rouge for 30-plus years. I think, you know, our hospital out on O'Neill Lane, kind of on the east side of the parish, uh, maybe isn't always thought of, uh, given the medical corridor being concentrated in I-10 and uh, Essen, uh, Blue Bonnet Corridor. Um, but we've had 13 clinics across the, the, the area, and I think um, we just believe that Baton Rouge is a, is a, is a large, important market. It's growing. Uh, it's got a strong economy. And frankly, we believe that there, um, there is an opportunity to continue to deliver better healthcare and a little bit more efficient and maybe more convenient healthcare than has traditionally been delivered in Baton Rouge. So I think, you know, we'll talk a little bit, I'm sure today about, about digital medicine and telemedicine. I think our vision is to, uh, is to design an ambulatory, uh, you know, outside of the hospital, 
uh, environment that meets patients where they are, so closer to their home and work, closer to their neighborhood, uh, meeting them uh, with technology and not forcing them to deal with the traffic in Baton Rouge and, and come to our office necessarily. And so I think, you know, we, we, we just see tremendous opportunity and it's more of a, a recommitment and an extension of a long-term commitment to the city. And, and did some of this opportunity open up when Our Lady of the Lake shifted its model several years ago and became the teaching hospital and charity care provider in Baton Rouge? I'm not sure that we would, I don't, I don't know yeah. that that specifically would be, would be the reason. I, I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, every time we opened a clinic uh, in Baton Rouge, it was full. So uh, every time we open an urgent care center, it's full. Uh, our hospital is largely full. So I think from our perspective, there is a capacity uh, um, issue still in Baton Rouge. I, I think people are still looking uh, for uh, more convenient care, more convenient primary care. Uh, and certainly our hospital business is a relatively small piece of our total business in Baton Rouge. And so uh, we just, uh, we, we, we continue to grow based on the feedback we get from our customers and our patients. and and. And as long as that is, uh, as long as we're getting the right feedback that we're doing a good job, I think we'll, we'll continue to, to commit resources in the market. Yeah. Now you mentioned convenience and telemedicine and Vishal. This is what Relief Telemed seeks to do. Is telemedicine the way of the future, or is it maybe part of the way of the future? Yeah, I think it really is. Um, if you look at our, our some of our talking points when we when we meet with investors or potential partners. Consumers are moving online more and more. Sure. Uh, we're all connected to our phones, to our computers. Uh, we all want convenience. Uh, time now is something you can't create, and so it becomes more and more valuable uh, as we have less and less of it. So, um, you know, with the advent of Waiter, Amazon, um, Uber, all these companies that are really focusing on, on saving people time, healthcare, now, now consumers want their healthcare online as well. And so, um, if you look at the numbers, only 8% of the visits, general office visits that are happening out there are done with telemedicine. So there's tons of opportunities wow. uh, in this space for people like David and his group and my group uh, as a startup to really all flourish together. And and we may be competitors, but at the same time, we also help each other in raising awareness of telemedicine, right? And so the more people are aware of the, the technology and how you know, you get almost the same level of quality of care, um, I think we both we both benefit from it. But well, it sure would be nice... To- to, to have a, a live visit with a healthcare professional than sit there and Google stuff that scares you to death in the middle of the night, right, when you're afraid that you're Absolutely. dying or something. And, and, and you'd be surprised how quick it, it I mean, yeah. a typical visit it ha- can happen within five to ten minutes, right? Whereas um, not a knock on urgent cares or physical clinics. I mean, you could take an hour, two hours out of your day to go do that. And um, who has time for that except for, you know, when we're sitting on this show? Well, <laughs> <laughs> so how does it work? Do you employ physicians or you just contract with providers? Yeah, so we... Y'all we, are just the app, Yeah, we, so we're the technology, but we also have partnerships with clinics and independent providers as well that deliver the actual care themselves. So we facil- we're the middleman. We facilitate uh, the connection between the patient and the providers. And then we do the follow-up and the marketing uh, to help the providers build their book of business for telemedicine. And do you have to, like... Sign, get get your users to sign a liability waiver that they won't hold you responsible. There are, there are some <laughs> consents uh, that the state does make you get, um, and and the lawyers have have asked us to get. But uh, we fully cover, fully insured all of our. We actually provide malpractice for all of our providers, um, so all that is baked into our business yeah. model. So the patients get. There's really no difference between the type of care and liabilities that are associated with our platform versus going into a medical clinic. Interesting. Now, David, you talked about convenience and. Does Oxner do something like telemedicine, or, or 
Sure. What is Oxner's take yeah, on no, something uh, like a relief telemed? Yeah, last year we launched our own version of a direct-to-consumer telemedicine platform where, where we you know now market to our own patients, and we have about 7,000 of our patients who've downloaded an app and have enrolled um, and, and have had you know several hundred telemedicine visits now that are defined by the patient's need and, and, and at a time that the patient uh, wants, and we see that only increasing over time. We use our, our urgent care facilities and the providers there to actually be our provider network for telemedicine. So if you think about what comes in an urgent care, there's a significant overlap between those types of, of, of complaints and visits and what you would be able to handle on a telemedicine visit. So our, you know, our, our urgent care physicians and, and nurse practitioners believe telemedicine theoretically is a disruption to their business, so they want to embrace it and, and be the provider. So during the day, at least, from like 8 till, till 8, at night, our own providers are on the front line of telemedicine care, doing telemedicine visits, much like you heard. Uh, and then at night, from 8 p.m. to uh, 8 a.m., we, we work with a national network of telemedicine providers to provide those services. And do you, do you tie into a national network like that, Vishal? No, so all of our providers are within the state of Louisiana. Are they? Yeah. Okay. So they're all licensed and credentialed here in Louisiana. And, and what does telemedicine entail? Is it... Uh, they, they talk to you, they sort of uh, ask you what your symptoms are? And yeah, so our app, basically, we, we replicated the in-clinic experience um, that, you know, from my past ventures, we basically took that whole process and said, let's virtualize it, right? So the same forms that you fill out when you go to the clinics, you actually do it on your phone, but it's a lot quicker and a lot more efficient. And you go through the same process, all your symptoms, and then the providers look at your chart, look at what you submitted, and then go through the same level of questioning that you would if you were sitting there face-to-face. They just can't actually touch you. They just I can't guess. actually touch you. Yeah, but we've, we've got a little bit of a twist on that. So it, yeah, that is a that is probably the standard way that an encounter would happen for us, too. But we also have a relationship with a company called Tido Care that has built a, a, a it's a, essentially a handheld kit that has um, Bluetooth-enabled uh, um, devices that allow us, for example, remotely to listen to a heartbeat, listen to your lungs, look in your throat, look in your ear. And so we are increasingly able to extend a clinical exam, actually, in, in, into the home environment. And so parents with children, it's fantastic, right? Because, I mean, inner ear, you know, ear infection, kids, you know, has a problem with his ear. You know, a provider is going to have a hard time diagnosing that specifically, for sure, without being able to look in the ear. Well, now, you know, high-definition camera, uh, very easy to use. Patient can, can position this in the ear, and the provider over the phone can, can you know, instruct oh, that is so cool. the parent how to do that. So, we're, we're, so, we, so you know, there's all flavors of this. Uh, you know, the, there the cost is, is a little bit of the barrier. I mean, the device is about $300. But, you know, if you're a family with a lot of young kids and, you know, you avoid a couple of office visits or emergency room visits, I mean, it pays for itself. So. That is fantastic. And, and are the insurance companies really paying now based on outcomes? I keep hearing this, but when you get your explanation of benefits statement in the mail from Blue Cross, it doesn't say, oh, you didn't get sick this year, right? I mean, it, they're, they're telling you that you were reimbursed to get your sprained ankle, you know, x-rayed or something. So, yeah, I mean, there is clearly a shift. I think it's being led in the, in the over 65 market. So I think uh, Medicare, uh, Medicare nationally has been probably the, the leader in driving value-based uh, reimbursement models. Medicare Advantage, which is essentially the commercial um, uh, products uh, that are available for, for seniors, um, very, very significantly uh, have moved away from fee-for-service. So, for example, we have uh, had a, a full capitated payment model for, for 35,000 Medicare Advantage uh, lives for the last several years. 
We like those models the best because it allows us to be the most creative at solving a patient's problem in the most efficient, most low-cost environment. Because frankly, uh, you know, if, if, uh, if I get paid more uh, for a patient to drive across town, take two hours off of work and come to my office and submit a, a claim, uh, than I would on a telemedicine visit, then the financial incentive in a fee-for-service world is to bring them into my office. Well, if the right thing to do for the patient is to manage them over the phone or manage them via a telemedicine visit, these payment models really free up the delivery system to do that. And, and so we, we really like it. Um, mm -hmm. Now, the commercial payers uh, have been slower, frankly. Yeah. And so to your point, I think you know the predominant payment model is still fee-for-service. They're still paying us transactional fees. What they've added, though, perhaps, is, is bonuses based on certain quality performance. That wouldn't show up in your expl explanation of benefits. Uh, or uh, if, if the sum of all those individual fee-for-service encounters uh, is, uh, represents an expenditure less than some target, there's a sharing mechanism back with the provider. So I, I'd say you know, we're moving that way clearly. I, five years ago, I would have said we, you know, we were on the cusp of moving into value-based payment. Now I think we're firmly there, and I think most providers find themselves um, having to play a little bit of both worlds. They yeah. have uh, both types of business, and that creates a, a, a real challenge operationally, I can tell you. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Dr. David Carmouche of the Auctioner Health System and Vishal Vasanji of Relief Telemed. Vishal, you're not paid by an insurance company. Your providers would be paid, or are they? I mean, do the... Yes, so we have both options. Does it work the yes, same Yes, I have both options. So uh, we actually recently, just within the last 30 days, um, are testing insurance payment platform. So you can submit your insurance, and the providers would actually go and get paid from the insurance company. And so as opposed to a $39 visit, your copay may be 20 or $25, and that's, what, that's the only thing you would pay. So um, touching on the value-based care versus fee-for-service, um, I was actually at a conference uh, a couple months ago, and it was a whole value-based seminar, right, session. And at the very end, a guy stood up and said, I've made hundreds of million dollars um, on fee-for-service because this country is drunk and addicted to volume, right? Yeah. And it's very true <laughs> because there's a lot of hospitals. Now, Oshner is well-capitalized and, and can, can take on the risk and, and, and mitigate all that, but there's a lot, probably majority of the hospital systems and even providers that are out there they live off fee-for-service, right? So sure. while the shift is happening, I think I think there's going to be a point where, you know, if system if, if providers and systems don't get on board, they frankly might go out of business, right? Because they're already operating on low margins, and so for them to take on financial risk, um, I, I think the ones that are savvier and, and more strategic about it will well, make right, it. Well, then they've yeah. got to compete with the auctioners. They've got to which... compete with the auctioners, yeah. What I, you know, what I was fighting when I was at Blue Cross a little bit was a notion uh, when I would meet with providers is that, look, you know, I hear that this change is coming, but when it's here, tell me, and then I'll get on board. What they didn't catch was that there's a lot of investment, a lot of infrastructure, a lot of uh, skill sets, a lot of technology that needs to be put into place to allow you to actually manage the total cost of care for a population, manage that risk and not and not, and not take a bath. So I think, you know, Oxford owned a health plan, you know, 20 years ago. Right. And so I think, you know, it has a lot of muscle memory about how to do this. But but a lot of providers, I think, underestimate how significant a change it is and how they think and how they operate um, when they go from fee-for-service as a payment model to something else, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big change for yeah, them. Just, I think, and it must I, be interesting for you yeah. to be on the other side. It is. <laughs> yeah. well, I think he touched on something that is, that's very important, I think, in the healthcare field industry right now, and it's the embracing of technology. Right. Um, right. Technology in, in, as a whole has become so cheap um, that it's getting more and more affordable, and the healthcare space is really one of the last frontiers to really embrace it and, and use it 
for the benefit of driving down the cost of care. And it's happening in every, it, it, right now it's, it's, I think systems, providers, the industry as a whole is still trying to figure out what is the best way to use technology in the most efficient manner, right? Because you hear buzzwords like artificial intelligence, machine learning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have the product Tidal Care that does Bluetooth technology. I mean, it's still got a pretty relatively high price tag for the general consumer to use. But I think as we get a year, two years, three years into this, I think some of those stuff is going to get weed out, and people are really going to see the benefits of, of how technology is really helping healthcare become more efficient, right? And the consumers are going to benefit, right, because they're getting probably faster, quicker, more efficient care uh, than they're traditionally used to. And, and again, it goes back to the entities that embrace technology, embrace innovation. Like Oshner, Oshner has done it, I think, all in, right? I, I read something probably once a week about something new Oshner is doing. So it's been great because they're really pushing the envelope and telling people, hey, you either need to come in, come in behind us and, and embrace it or we're going to keep pushing the envelope, right? And so it forces companies like us to really keep thinking ahead like, okay, if, if we want to stay in the game, what is the next step we need to be looking at uh, to really to – really, because it's all about driving patient sure. care, right, making it efficient. Let, let, me, let me pick up on that because yeah. here, here's just an example I think your, your listeners will kind of appreciate that um, is probably the clearest example of how we're embracing technology. And So the most common chronic condition in the United States seen in a primary care doctor's office is high blood pressure, hypertension. Um, historically in the United States, just a little over half of the people who have high blood pressure have their blood pressure controlled. Uh, typically it's done through a combination of lifestyle change, which most of us in Louisiana <laughs> aren't particularly great at, and medications. Most of the medications are generic. It typically requires patients to come into their doctor's office once, twice, three times a year, have a couple of blood pressures checked in the office. They may be nervous, they may be tired that day, they may have um, rushed across town and sat in traffic. And so, uh, you know, you're making clinical decisions based on a couple of blood pressure readings, maybe titrating a drug, and you're seeing them back in six months. So with that model, you know, a little over half of the people are, are controlled. Well, we've, we've redesigned how we manage blood pressure at Oxford. Now we, 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 we have a digital hypertension platform. So if you come to see me today and I diagnose you with hypertension, I'm going to give you the option of managing it virtually. And what that's going to mean wow. is when you leave the clinic, you're going to stop at what we call our O-Bar. It's our version, the <laughs> Apple Genius Bar. And they're going, to, they're going to help you download an app onto your phone. They're going to give you a blood pressure monitor that is Bluetooth enabled. Um, and we're going to connect you. And then what's going to happen is we're going to assign a, a, a health coach that's um, working with a, pharmacolo- a pharmacist and a, and a care protocol to actually start now managing your blood pressure remotely. So several times a week we'll ask you at home or at work to send us a blood pressure. We'll get on average six or ten of them a week instead of two every three months. Um, we will engage you uh, in questions around your, your health, your lifestyle, exercise, your diet. We'll send you prompts about your medications and we'll titrate your drugs all without you having to come in to see the doctor. So, um, you know, patients love it because actually they get a lot of attention. Sure. <laughs> uh, they don't have to come into the doctor's office and pay a copay. Uh, and their blood pressure control rates um, for the first several thousand patients that we've done are about 87%. So I think, wow. you know, that's an example of how technology absolutely can transform a very common medical condition, the care for a very common medical condition. So we've got... And we, can drive the cost yeah, of care down. Absolutely. But, but again, now, if the payment model is fee-for-service, all of those missed office visits are a, lo- a loss uh, for, for the healthcare system. So 
you know. So how do y'all get reimbursed yeah, well, then so, for the under this model? So we use this model initially in in populations where we have a value based agreement, okay, right? Yeah. So so where we have incentives in place beyond just fee for service where we've started now. As we've as we've driven a, as we've developed a track record now, some of the employers are actually willing to pay a, a monthly fee for this because the value for them is not only good blood pressure control rates, but it's keeping people at work. Sure. So we're getting some direct contracts with with NASA, frankly, with Shell, uh, and, and, and a few other employers who are very interested in this. Um, so you know, I, I think um, I think, and then some of the payers are actually interested now in starting to think through a payment model to support this because it. it it, it not only has better outcomes, it, um, it actually saves money in terms of emergency room visits, yeah. et cetera. So I just think that's a really good example. That's a great Beyond example. Beyond telemedicine Absolutely. of how, how technology could change healthcare. Absolutely. We're actually talking to a self-insured plan right now with a couple hundred thousand lives, um, and, and they want to partner with us because for them, every dollar that every claim that comes through is a cost to the company, right? Because right. They're, they're, there's no health, there's no Blue Cross that's that's paying the claim. It's the company themselves that's paying the claim. So, if we can deliver to them a thirty-nine, forty-dollar visit, as opposed mm-hmm. to a hundred-dollar visit in a, in a in a clinic, then that's what the that's what the the employers and the self-insured uh, plans administrators administrators that's what they want. So, absolutely. Um, again, another example of how technology can take something really simple and really drive down the cost and make it a win-win for everybody involved. Do you compete, I mean, in theory at least, with Oxnard? Would, um, would we probably, I mean, we probably do, but, but the reality is that if a patient is an Oshner patient, they're going to stick to everything that Oshner does, right? It, it, and it makes sense, right? It, it's kind of like if... If you're a, if you're a, if you're a Southwest credit card holder, you have all the Southwest points, and you have everything related to Southwest. Doesn't matter what specials every other airline is running, you're going to fly Southwest, yeah. right? And you're most likely going to fly to the cities that Southwest is going to, right? And so it's a very similar setup where Oshner has, like he said, he's got seven thousand downloads, but there's there's a hundreds of thousands of people in Baton Rouge that aren't Oshner patients, right? Mm-hmm. That we that we can go get. So again, while we do compete a little bit, there's probably a little bit of overlap. There's a lot of complimentary stuff where them raising the awareness of technology helps it's us because help now now right. people that don't think about it using telemedicine might say, hey, I'm not an Oshner patient, but I heard about it. Let me check these guys out because I have a relationship with them or, yeah. or, or my doctor has a relationship with yeah, them. Yeah, I think it's a great point. I think, yeah. you know, if you think about that 7,000, right, just to put it in perspective, um, Oshner has about 750,000 unique patients. So these you know unique individuals that we have a you know an active electronic medical record Statewide. chart for them right oh actually regionally nationally right? okay. so I mean we've okay. got people yeah. that come from all over so if seven thousand know, it was a relatively small number the point is the the market for telemedicine is so big that I really actually don't even view us as competitors in some ways I agree I agree with your your premise what what exactly does does your company Relief Telemed consist of physically? I mean, uh, is there an infrastructure? Or is there a, an office? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have an office at the Louisiana Technology Park, um, and that's it. I mean, our infrastructure is <laughs> virtual. Really, overhead. yeah, there's not much overhead. Our, our infrastructure is virtual. Uh, the the human the, the the employees that we have that go do sales and and do technical support and do all the developing coding. Um, but our providers are all remote. They're, on, they're all over the state. Our, our clinics are, you know, the clinics that we partner with are all over the city and all over the state. So we actually don't have, and that's one of the reasons why I kind of switched from the, the, the clinic world to a more telemedicine technology-based world is the capital that it takes to build a $50, 60000000 million hospital or, or a couple million dollar clinic, if I put that into technology, I could probably capture the entire yeah. state. So you're... you're while you don't have physical facilities, um, 
I can use that money to, to, to drive scale and marketing and, and grab patients from all over the state, right? I'm, it, not, I'm not confined to a geographic sure. area. So. And, and speaking of physical facilities, before I let y'all go, because we're running out of time, but I, I didn't want to forget about Baton, your new facility in Baton Rouge, which is, is quite something to behold as you're, as you're driving into the city. And it was quite a, a substantial investment that Oxner made. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a $116 million investment in the market. Um, you know, it, it's going to significantly expand our footprint. It'll be our flagship, you know, outpatient clinic. It's it's really designed around outpatient care, though. We believe, you know, in the future, we believe the only people who are going to really need to be in the hospital are people who need ICU-level care or surgery. I mean, I think you, you're even seeing hospital-at-home programs now for patients who have lower acuity things. So we're, we're really investing in the ambulatory environment. It is a state-of-the-art facility. It's a beautiful facility, but it's designed... Um, uh, with the patient in mind, uh, the workspaces are shared. It's 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 really uh, laid out very well, and, re- and it has you know all of the technology that that has become part of Oxter's offering now. So when you walk in um, uh, to the clinic, instead of seeing a reception desk, you see basically kiosks. Um, it's really a very wow. virtual feel. I mean, it's like it's a virtual clinic to some degree, even though it's a big bricks and mortar. So yeah, real proud of it. Uh, will allow us to attract about 65 new physicians into the market in that facility uh, relative to the facility that we had on the other side of Blue Bonnet. What's amazing about this thing is that from the time we broke ground to when we got moved into the thing was 14 months. I was joking with uh, with uh, with the That's developer of the property. I'm like, you can, we built that clinic faster than I could build a house. <laughs> it's like, you said, yeah, but you didn't have people working 24 hours uh, a day on, on your house. So anyway, we're real proud of it. It's especially a good track record for that's, here, that's, right? That's important, the facilities and the technology that goes into facilities, because we're all used to it everywhere we go. We go to airports, we have kiosks. You know, we're all used to touching technology. I mean, you go to McDonald's now, they have touchscreen ordering of food, right? You go to Walmart, they've got the self-checkout. So I think healthcare is getting there, and, and it takes people like the Oshners and some of the some of the, the, the systems that are like them across the country to really keep pushing the envelope so that people realize, like, oh, you know, I'm used to that kind of stuff, and and, and I can feel comfortable doing with healthcare because yeah. healthcare is so intimate, right? It's something that they have to have to build a trust with. Yes. And so I think that's where a little bit of the the, the friction was between the general consumer mm-hmm. and healthcare that embrace technology is. They're just so used to talking to someone and, and touching and feeling and being in. Because you're talking room about your body. You're talking at about the your end body. Of the day. Right. I mean, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. Right? So, as as more and more this happens and and as as the demographic shifts a little bit, I think people get more and more comfortable with the use of technology. Well, Vishal Vasanji and David Karmush, this has been such an interesting and informative discussion. Healthcare is the number one issue facing our country, and the challenges that lie ahead are going to require a lot of innovative thought and. You both are on the forefront of bringing about the change. Thanks for sharing your insights with me today on Out to Lunch. Thanks for lunch. Thank you very much. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been David Karmush of the Oxner Health Network and Vishal Vasanji of Relief Telemed. You can find out more about Auctioner and Relief Telemed by going to our website, it's batonrouge.la. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino, Dave Winwood, and Ann Edelman. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, it's batonrouge.la, and on our It's Baton Rouge Facebook page. These photos were taken by Carrie Hosford, and you can find more of Carrie's photos at carriehosford.com. You can hear this show and past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts, including Spotify and at itsbatonrouge.la. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. 
I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Baton Rouge is recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by the Alliance Safety Council, delivering instructor-led on-site computer lab and online training through more than 100 authorized training providers in 31 states and two countries. Headquartered in Baton Rouge, Alliance is focused on the future of learning technology and training process innovation for business and industry, for safety, and other corporate training needs. More information is at alliancesafetycouncil.org and by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world.